Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Worship team. Thank you. All my life, he has been faithful. Amen. All my life, he's been so, so good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Songs of worship have a powerful way of staying with you. Even in the watches of the night. And God is doing that. He's revealing himself through his word. That word coming many times through song. Through the time when we speak the word of God. Uh, as we learn, we grow. One thing before we begin, I just want to mention that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, he told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, what does that mean? I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus said, no, it'd be born of the spirit of God. And when we're born again, we're actually responding to the word that we one way or another are have been involved with the word of God here, the word of God being preached, the word of God being sung, the word of God being spoken, all of these things that we're around. And then at the divine time that God desires, he touches us by his spirit. And immediately we realize that we have no way out of this and we're a sinner. But right behind that being born again, he gives the gift of repentance and the gift of salvation. And so I just want to encourage you as you begin to, to just look and examine your life. The Bible says, uh, Paul was talking about, he said, examine yourself to be sure that you're in the faith. Okay. And we know that obviously it's very important to be able to at various times go back. And that is not trying to bring doubt or uncertainty or anything. Basically, we're looking at our lives. Are we growing in Christ? Are we hungering for more of his presence in our lives? Although we have the fullness, the manifest presence of the Lord in our lives. Are we desiring him above all else? Have we given him our, our, our lives? Have we given him our, our, all our possessions? All of our dreams, all of our visions, all of what we believe God to be as far as our life is concerned, have we given him and surrendered those things just as that song we just sang uh, said, examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith, that we are born again. He said, no one will enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again. And I want to tell you today, I believe God is up to something good. Uh, so we see him working throughout our nation and young people's lives at different colleges. And I believe it is a something that God is doing. We're praying that God would truly just come and increase that work, that those flames of revival and awakening and outpouring would jump from those colleges over to all, through all the churches. We need to be revived. I need to be revived, and so do you. And so I believe today as we join our hearts together in prayer and as we came forward earlier and prayed together, we want to join our hearts together as the body of Christ 
And we're going to talk about it in a minute. But first of all, let's read the scripture, if you would. There are two scriptures. If you'd like to stand while we read these scriptures, you can do that. It's going to talk. We're going to talk about certainly here the community of believers. Okay, let's read it together. Then Jesus's mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mothers, my mother and my brothers. And whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. The next is Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, and down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The community of believers. We've been talking about your identity in Christ. We talked last week about the bride of Christ. <clears throat> and we are the bride of Christ. Been saved, you're part of the bride. And we're being prepared. Be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And we talked about how can that be? We know we've got a lot of spots and a lot of wrinkles and a lot of blemishes. But God has a way of doing this. And all of a sudden... This is the way many times God works. It looks like everything is sort of like we're going along and we're seeking him, hungering for him. But all of a sudden he comes in power. And that's what happened even at the day of Pentecost, if you remember. They were all gathered together again in one accord there in the upper room. And all of a sudden the spirit of God, the spirit, the breath of God breathed into these that were seeking the Lord and they were all filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And so what we see happening, I believe today, all of a sudden, it looks like, my goodness, we've lost a generation of young people and all of a sudden here God comes and begins to stir the hunger for him and him alone in these young people's lives and colleges, and here comes the Spirit of God just moving in and touching and changing lives. If you're listening, you hear a lot of the testimonies about what's happening. People getting delivered, people getting saved, people being healed, and many, many miraculous signs and wonders that are taking place here in these particular colleges. Young people are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The community of believers is so important and it's so much on my heart today to be able to share with you and thank you for coming and being a part of this service because I believe this is for everyone and I believe it's going to change our lives and how we do church together. A little joke. Did you hear about the guy who called in, into his doctor's office and the doctor sat him down and he said, I've got some bad news and some good news. Well, which you want first? And the man said, well, give me the good news first. He said, okay. The doctor said, your tests are back and you only have three days to live. That's the good news? Well, said the doctor, my receptionist has been trying to get a hold of you for two days. 
That's the bad news. Let me tell you, I've got some good news for you today. and Maybe also uh, some bad news necessarily. The good news is, is that the church is like a family. The bad news is the church is like a family. Okay. <laughs> One man described his family this way. Families are like fudge, mostly sweet and a few nuts. Maybe you felt this way about your biological family. And uh, you love them, but sometimes they're tough to live with or around, right? We know that, and that's family. Well, God designed his church to be a family, not just act like a family, but actually to be a family. Okay, We've talked about the fact in the last few messages that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all the bride of Christ. One day, we'll be in heaven together. We'll be rejoicing forevermore. And he's put us together, this mismatch of people and personalities and, and quirks like mine, okay? And he's put us together to come together in the bond of love, to grow together. And that community is so important. And what one of the things that spurned this message today and this burden on my heart is the thing I heard was someone who observed the revival that's taking place at Asbury there in Kentucky. And he talked about the fact that they were all together as community. That community and the bond of love, that community of brothers and sisters coming together under the banner of Christ. And God just comes in. And the Bible says here, we know Psalm 133, one of my favorite passages. He says, blessed are those brothers and sisters that dwell in unity. Because what does he say? There, he actually commands his blessing. God says, here's the blessing. When you and I come together here, there's a blessing. Now, you may not always see the fullness of it. You and I are walking in here because we've got prayer requests. We, we worship the king and we share from the word. We share testimonies. We share needs and so forth. And let me tell you today, God is blessed and God is honored when we come in. And it is certainly our privilege to come. It's our privilege to be able to come together corporately because we are obeying the word of God in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some have, but obviously continue to encourage one another as you see the day approaching. And he's saying, we get encouragement for one another. And then we may have come in here and maybe things didn't go right before you came in here. Maybe there are particular obstacles, adversity that you've experienced all week long, but you've come. You're here. You're saying, we're here, Jim. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm looking. I'm standing here, and I'm amongst a bunch of people that love Jesus, and I know something's going to happen here today, okay? And that's the way we should come in this place. I don't know what he'll do, but he always does something. He's never inactive. He's an active God in your life and my life. And when we come together in the community of believers, something supernatural happens. It draws us closer together. And see, the church should be a place where you and I can share our lives together. That you can be yourself when you come in these four walls. It's a place where you and I can come and share things together. And the reason why we can do that is because we know we've all been through some things. And we're not obviously wanting to, to shame anybody or to put guilt on anybody because we know the ground at the, at the cross is all level. We all come the same way. It's all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. No other way. 
We didn't obviously get our act together before Jesus touched us. No, he pulled us out of our sin, out of that muck and that mire while we were obviously yet sinners. Christ died for us. And so the church has been placed here as certainly very important. And, you know, we talked about how COVID uh, sort of seemed like a lot of people drifted away and a lot of people maybe haven't gotten back to the church and so forth. And and those who cannot come to the church, certainly as they watch and and evangelism taking place over the particular types of social media. Definitely we do. I don't discount that. But whenever you can, come in amongst the believers. Come on in. Because this is something happening in this place today. And will continue. Because God has ordained it. Because His word says so. And He will not go back on His word. He will fulfill His word. We've talked about being the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. We've talked about, obviously, being in relationship with our Father where we can say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. He's so tender. He's so intimate with us. And then last week, again, we talked about we being the bride of Christ. And they're all family phrases. And it's not by accident God made it this way. Family's supposed to be a place where, first of all, we nurture the closest relationships we have with one another. That we find love and nurture. That we find refuge and safety and security from the unsafe world. We find support and encouragement. And we can be ourselves and still be accepted and loved. We don't look down on anybody. We don't look down on that because we know that obviously that we're praying for people to come into the kingdom of God. And we're saying, God, do this in people's lives. People who obviously need to have hope that we've sang about today. But unfortunately, most families aren't perfect because they aren't made up of perfect people. I've always said, if you're looking for the perfect church, don't go there because then you'll ruin it. Okay, you know that. In fact, some of us can be pretty damaged or wounded. And we bring that woundedness to our families, which in turn makes these families less than an ideal place for safety, love, comfort, refuge, and security. I've done a lot of funerals and some weddings. But I want to tell you, I've seen the best in people and I've seen the worst in people. But when a family is functioning biblically, not perfectly, but they're functioning biblically, then obviously it's very noticeable. Now, you've always heard, well, we've got a lot of dysfunction in our society. Yes, we have today. We see that. But when you see one coming under, obviously, the word of God and functioning that way, it is very, very noticeable. But obviously, I have to admit, many were dysfunctional families, people with wounds, with particular addictions, with particular uh, emotional traumas in their life and all these types of things. And I've been around them and so forth. And people are looking for help. People are looking for healing in their lives. And Jesus is the answer. And we have the answer here as we come together. And we look at people the way Jesus looks at them. The same way Jesus looks at you and me with compassion. Remember when he looked over the crowds? He was healing a lot of people. And he was showing himself to be, obviously he was the father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And remember he went around and it said that he had compassion on them. He didn't say he judged them or he put them down and say, you should be a a lot further along right now than this because we, the prophets, have been talking about my coming for, for centuries here now. He didn't do that. He had compassion on them. 
and he has compassion on us. He loves us. And he said, when we come together, I've got something for you. Some children are raised with intense conflict or with anger or hostility in the home. Some are raised where there's no sense of security, where they wonder if they'll be on the streets the next day. Others are raised in families with addictions or severe emotional troubles and so forth. If these children never experience anything different, they'll believe that that is the norm for the family and reproduce that norm when they start their own family. It is obviously generational. And you remember the Simpsons? <laughs> when you look at, remember the Simpsons there was on TV? I wouldn't excise you seeing it, but they were a cartoon characters of dysfunction and irreverence. And they actually, are, I believe, reflect the way most families live and act today. Okay. And they've been on for some years. I wonder why. Is this a statement about the condition of our own families in America? That we need to find a family so utterly dysfunctional, more dysfunctional than our own, so we can laugh at it. Aren't we really laughing at ourselves? The Simpsons, dysfunctional to the max. And I believe sometimes it reflects actually what we see in society today. Families are complex organisms. And the reason I say organisms is that they consist of living beings who interact in a variety of complex ways, each based upon their own expectations, wounding, strengths, and weaknesses that they have developed throughout their life. Many times it started as a child. And they were raised in a dysfunctional family. And yes, there is hope. And yes, Jesus can deliver. And Jesus can change our hearts. And, and we don't have to go that way. But many people continue on. And so that dysfunctionality is there in many different ways. And so when we talk about the church being a family, we bring our own preconceptions into this analogy. Sometimes I wonder why God used the word family to describe his church. Is because I figure if it's God's family, shouldn't it be perfect? But it's not. It's not. We all come together. We have our expectations. We all come together with our dysfunctionality and we come together. We're here. We're showing up. But just like our own families, it's comprised of fallible, weak, hurting, and broken people. God's family, just like our own, is far from perfect with the exception that we have a perfect father. Did you know Jesus called you and I, his brothers and sisters there, as we read in Mark chapter 3. It's so intimate term. In Matthew 28, verse 10, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And we know that brother is, acts and sister is used 20, 221 times in the New Testament here. And Jesus wants you and I to understand that we are his family. His disciples weren't just his followers, but they were brothers to him. They were closer than his own natural brother, James, who really did not believe until later on in life. And when you placed your faith in Jesus and experienced the new birth, the spiritual rebirth that comes by faith, you become a babe in Christ, a member of God's family. And your brothers and sisters got here the same exact way, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's only one way, always has been from eternity past, as they started there, Abraham and, and so forth, that actually it's by grace through faith 
and believing in Jesus and him alone. Galatians chapter three says this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. We are in unity. Man has messed it up. Because what we try to do is saying, I got one up on you. I'm a little bit more wealthy than you are. I'm, I'm kidding on this now, certainly. But I got this. I'm a little bit. I got more degrees than you've got. I got a little bit more over here. I, I can I can say I can speak better than you can speak. I can do all these things. And see what we begin to do is categorize and put people in different labels and label people. When God sees his family as his family, we're all family. And we're here to lift one another up here. And some folks, I believe, as they look for a church, may not have been actually born into God's family. And if they're looking for a family here, deciding whether or not that they want a church home. And they're looking at the church today to see whether it's a place where they can seek refuge from the storms in their life. Or maybe they can come in and be healed of the wounds that may have been there since they were little kids. People today are looking for restoration. And that restoration ultimately is in a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing their sins are forgiven and the guilt and the shame is taken away. But they may be looking at the fact that life is just not fulfilling for me. God, life is looking like, man, it's just a downhill slope all the way. It's not abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. Actually, people are looking for a place that they can come, that they can feel welcome a place that they will feel loved, a place that they would know if they are prayed for, that it will be held in confidence, that it won't be spoken all over the place. Because what we do when we say that and we start speaking about that is because some type of pride in our lives rises up to say, I'm glad I'm not like they are. And we all come the same way, don't we? Right? Everybody knows it's grace. There's nothing I can do to earn it. We all have been that way. And if we haven't been that way, we may go that way. Okay. And this is a place where people can come and feel the love of Jesus Christ. If the church is not exhibiting and somehow displaying the love of Jesus and manifesting the love of Jesus, why do we have church? Right? That's really where it's all at. Because it is the community of believers. Few of us would say that our homes are the equivalent of our families necessarily, would you would we? Because we equate obviously our church building to the church. Why do we do that? Really, the church is the people. The church is the people. This is Lighthouse Fellowship, but the church is you and I. We leave this place, we're going out. The church is going out in the highways and byways of life, and God has called his church to make a difference in society, to make a difference in this culture. To obviously, to bring the light of Jesus into that darkness is out there. And if no one, if you haven't noticed it yet, it's dark. There's darkness out there, okay? And you might wonder if being a part of a local church family is really necessary. Well, again, yes, it is. As we mentioned earlier, it is, it is necessary being a part. Family. Gotta look at each other's family. And see, what happens when I start looking and doing things when I know that I should not, I've varied off that path is, is I begin to look at people not as a family, 
but maybe as a challenge, right? Isn't that the way we are? Man, they're really, they're really giving me a fit. I begin to stray from that, and I can do that, and you can do that also. But when you look at them as family, and you're looking at them with the compassion that Jesus Christ has for them, the same compassion he has for us, the same love when he went to Calvary for you and for me, when you begin to see yourself from that particular uh, position, people look different. You see them as, a, as, a, as people that, that you can help, that you can reach out to, that you, if you need help, that you can ask for prayer. That you can ask people to lift you up in prayer, please. See, I believe that every week, in one way or another, and this is not trying to manipulate and control in any way, but I believe today that we don't, we hold back more than what we obviously say when we really need prayer when we come in this place. I don't know about y'all, but we need prayer. I need prayer. And I'm glad y'all are praying for me. I need prayer every day. And I may not stand up front and say that every day, but I need prayer every day, folks. I need it. There's a war going on. And yes, you're in a spiritual war, but so am I. I'm a pastor. I got a bullseye on my back. And the enemy would like nothing more to take me out to keep me from proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is a, he's tenacious, let me tell you. And I need prayer for covering. I need prayer to be able to speak the word with boldness. Remember, Paul always said, be sure and pray for me <laughs> that I'll be able to articulate the gospel exactly the way my Lord would have it articulated. And that's the way we should be, praying for one another, lifting for one another. Local church fellowship membership is very, very important here. Churches are supposed to be a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ here. You know, I've had times where a fam when a family's grieving, I've stood up here from this pulpit in many places in sharing, and, and there's been such a connection there. And knowing that the person was in heaven, but missing that person, and I've cried with the family. I've gone into situations to get information about the particular patient to do the funeral and whatever it may be, memorial service or whatever, or someone who is dying. And I've actually, I've cried with them. Why? It's because there's attachment. There is a bond between believers and Jesus Christ. We're all bound together in the binding of the love of Jesus. And we weep with one another. We are joyful with one another. When someone has a, a breakthrough, we heard breakthroughs today. We rejoice in the Lord because that person has gotten healed and they testify to how great his God is. We are obviously, we grieve with one another when the grief is there because it's all family. The same thing. And maybe again, we're looking to see in those dysfunctional biological families that we're saying, Lord, we want our family, our church family, to be, obviously, as with the body of Christ, the community of believers, to be able to do the will of God. Obviously, sometimes I can't understand it. But after ministering alongside with someone for several years and walking with them through funerals, hospitals, and all types of things, and they casually walk away, and they leave. And it's as if they're leaving a social club. I've always told people, and I believe this with all my heart, I've had as a pastor, many people say, you know, uh, I've got to move to this city over here because that job over there is going to, I'm going to make more money. I said, have you prayed about it? Well, it's going to make more money. I'm not minimizing taking care of your family. Don't get me wrong with this. But I believe, I don't know whether y'all realize it or not, 
But our spiritual walk with Jesus supersedes everything else in our lives, okay? And the church body is most important in your life and my life that I continue to grow in my faith and grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I put something else, whether it be money or a better job or maybe that boss is not treating me right and I'm out of here and I go and I leave that local assembly, I believe that you've lost something very valuable. And I tell people, pray about it before you take make that move. Has God released you from that local assembly? And then when God tells you, if not, dig in and get to work and begin doing what God has called us to do as the community of believers. You see, that's what happens today. We're in and out, social club. Well, I can come, I can take it or leave it. See, I can't take or leave the church. You go, yeah, but Jim, you're a pastor. <laughs> it's what your calling is. Okay, I don't want it any way to be in and out and sort of flippantly, I'm out of here. It's very, very important that we understand what God does through perseverance. Well, I don't like that pastor. He doesn't look at me right. He doesn't look, he doesn't look right to begin with. Okay. I don't like what he said. I don't like the jokes he's made because they're not funny. Okay. And all those things. And so what happens is they go, well, the dude down the street, I mean, he's a whole lot more comical. And I mean, look at the stories he's telling. Look at all the things that he's saying. You know, I, I this is just, I'm out of here. And before long, what happens? They bolt. See, when the entertainment becomes our priority, we've lost the focus. And see, a lot of times today, and I'm not speaking against any church, but when entertainment, comes and when entertainment comes in and somehow or another usurps the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit then I want to tell you we're off base a lot of people said and have told me over the years you need to adapt to a Madison Avenue type of technique to be able to get people in the church today and I went I cannot do that that's not me anyway I can't do it but I don't believe in it if God by his spirit can't draw people because God is wooing them. Because I want to tell you, no one comes to the Father, the Bible says, unless the Spirit draws them. If that's the way you get people in to be able to get a crowd in here. And I'm not looking for a crowd. I'm looking for people who are hungry for God. And I want God to stir our hearts with a hunger and thirst for Him and His presence alone. Okay? If this place could be packed out. And Nancy taught on the dry bones in Ezekiel 37. And be as dry and rusty as an old nail. I want the Spirit. How about y'all? I want God. You know, I've been convinced. I've been just reflecting on the fact that recently. Is it? I'm going, Lord, I've got a grocery list of stuff here. I'm asking you for. And then God began to sort of swing my whole attitude to this. I just want you. I just want you. I don't care. I just want you. I need you above everything else in my life. There's nothing else more important than you. And I just want you. When God called me, I knew that I was called to equip the saints. Ephesians. Pastors are called to equip the saints. And I pray that I stay the course with that. That I never fall into the worldly methods of trying to do this and trying to do that. 
of trying to please people even. We had a handout here a couple weeks ago about pleasing people. If we stop pleasing people and stop getting that off our mind, we got to please everybody and just pleasing Jesus, then we'll stay on that course. That's all it takes today to be able to do that. One man says this, life is a series of givings that we might gain. Only where there's input can we expect output. Only when we deposit can we expect return. If you don't participate, then don't expect anything. Nothing comes from nothing, right? Sometimes we're not willing to do that. Sometimes we're, we're like, well, it's, what happens is, and, and, and the bottom line is the selfishness. It's all there. The flesh is still there, folks. <laughs> and I don't know whether y'all noticed it or not. It's still there. <laughs> It'll rear its ugly head every now and then. And all of a sudden you're like, gosh, and the Bible says walk in the spirit that you'll not gratify the lust of the flesh. You've got to walk in the spirit. And we need the spirit of God to move in this place. When I was in church, I don't think I was ever taught about the Holy Spirit of God. And then as I began to, God began to move my life. I had some experiences with the Holy Spirit. I said, boy, he, and he's a he. He very much wants to rule and reign in your life to come and empower you, to direct you, and to do what He wants to do in your life. But what does it mean? you got to surrender to Him. you got to give Him your life. you got to say, I'm no longer in control here. And I want you to be in control. Every time I think I'm in control and I try to take control, I mess it up. I want to tell you, I don't know about y'all, every time. But when I give it to God, let me tell you, He does something supernatural. Chuck Swindoll tells a story about what happened one day while aboard a 727 about halfway back to the, in the coach section. And the plane had three seats on the left side and three on the right side. And he was seated halfway back on the aircraft when a family of three came aboard. And apparently they had purchased their tickets late and were unable to secure reserved seating <clears throat> in the same row. The airline assist attendant uh, assured them that there were several empty seats. Surely someone would be willing to swap seats so that they could all sit together. And as they boarded, they found a row that looked promising. The row had four empty seats. The aisle seat and the left seat was open. Two seats were closed and the window on the right were unoccupied. And there was one man sitting in the aisle seat on the right side that would only have to move across the aisle to sit and they would all be together. The family, all of them friendly and courteous, asked the gentleman on the aisle if he would be willing to move from the right seat aisle to the left seat aisle. And that's all. Just stand up, take two seats to the left and sit down. Do you think that he'd do it? No way. He wasn't even courteous enough to answer verbally. He just stared straight ahead as he shook his head no firmly. And when the flight attendant Tactfully tried again. He unloaded a piece of mind he couldn't afford to lose. <laughs> the guy absolutely refused to budge. And this was his space. He had paid good money for it. And there was no way he was going to let anybody, for any reason, take it away from him. Well, the church many times is accused of acting like this. Do you know I have heard of, I won't say that I've been a part of, that people who have come in a particular seat and somebody else maybe got that seat, that they got real irritated at them. Okay. You got my seat. I've been sitting there for years. I pay my tithe. 
I pay good money for this seat, right? And I'm, a, I'm not about to move. And I dare that person come in here. I mean, it could be a new person, right? It could be a person that obviously just come into the church and maybe someone who's been rejected by the church and they come in and here they go with the rejection again. Do you see and get the point that I'm talking about, right? We don't want to move. I have my ways of doing things. I remember obviously too, 40, 50 years ago, I was raised on the hymns. I was raised singing the hymns. I loved the hymns and raised on the hymns. Got saved, I believe, under the hymns and so forth. But when I pastored, I saw a swing as far as using Christian contemporary music. So I planted a church and used contemporary Christian music. After the first service, we had about 120 people there. And after the first service, I got a letter in the mail the next week. And I think it was about five pages long. And that letter told me how the cow eats the cabbage about the music and about the service and about what took place. Now, I was a rookie, still am really, but a rookie, and I, it, was, it was hard. I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I went on and there was changes that were going on. See, the people we had in our church were people who had not been in the church. They were people who a lot of times would go to places on Saturday night and all, and they'd come to church and they felt love and they felt the love of Jesus Christ. And we people, I believe, got saved in that church. And yet some of the old guard, because I've sat in this seat, all my time in this church. And I don't like you sitting in my seat. Okay? And I don't like you doing this and making this change. And doing this and that, you see. And I want to tell you, it's a big disruption. The thing of it is, with me, I was young enough at that time. I wasn't just really young, but in my mid-30s. And I was stubborn enough to say, we're going to do it this way. I'm not going to be bullheaded. And not be irrational. But we're going to do it this way. And we continue to do it this way. Because why? It's because I wanted to please the Lord. More than I wanted to please that person. Or anybody in there. Right? And things started happening. Because I came in. And I did some things. That had never been done in the church before. And I got blasted because of it. I mean really blasted. And there were things that were spoken to me. That I will not repeat from church members. See, the issue is we're the community of believers. We're family. Okay? The things I heard, you think about it, you wouldn't speak to your own family. Why am I saying all this? I always preach because I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to grow in how you see other people. It's not just about the, what's happening in these four walls. It happens out in the marketplace. Because you can say, yeah, and agree with me here, and then go out and live completely different. And see people different. Whether rubber hits the roads, H-E-B, Walmart, whatever, wherever you go, your workplace or whatever. 
But see, this is telling you right now. And so actually you're accountable for what I'm telling you today because you heard it. <laughs> right? <laughs> you heard it now. Because this is why a lot of times that things obviously are not done the way that they should be. Biblically. Family is where you can be yourself. There's increased enthusiasm. There's, enthe there's increased expectation when you come together and you're saying, I can walk in that place. I've had a bad week. But you know what? I'm going to a place where there's some prayer warriors in there. I'm walking in here where I can get prayed for. Where I can hear a good word. Where people want to look down their nose at me. And they look at me and say, I, I, I've either been where you are or are where you are or will be where you are. Trust me. We all go the same way, right? We somehow think we're pious and we've got our halos on. Yes, we're saints in that. But let me tell you today, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. And Lord knows we need lots of grace, right? I need grace every day. My whole life... And your whole life, if you really get down to it, we need grace, great grace. It actually says in the book of Acts that they were given great grace. I don't deserve it, and neither do you. But God gives it freely if we'll humble ourselves. You know, is church fun? I have fun. <laughs> Aren't you having fun? I'm having fun. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm having fun. Church is a place of fun. I was raised where, you know, kids uh, could, if kids started running around the church and so forth and all that stuff, well, you got to sit, you got to come, you know, and I don't, I'm not minimizing. Don't get me wrong. But I am saying, we sometimes are old sticks in the mud. And God is saying, we come here. I'm not saying trying to drum enthusiasm up, certainly emotionalism, just drumming it up. But I'm saying today, this is a place we can come. And if you're grieving, we'll grieve with you. If you're rejoicing, we'll rejoice with you. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you. If you praise the Lord, we'll praise the Lord with you. There's one in the bond of love. That's what this church is all about. It's a community. It's one of the main facets of our Christian walk that we obviously do church in that way. Whatever's going on, we want to do and be a part of what God's doing. The purpose of a family is to grow, right? You hope you have your kids, have kids, and you want the grandkids, have grandkids, and so forth. And so parents sacrifice for their children and not the other way around. Which one of us would expend or somehow your infant child to give up its crying so that you can sleep. No, you give up your sleep so the baby can rest and grow. And it's the same way in God's family. The same thing is happening. If we aren't growing, we're dying. And we, the dry bones. We need the breath of the Spirit of God blowing in this place. And doing something miraculous. If we're growing as a family. There will always be change. In the works. There will always be new life. Also.
This is one of my favorite scriptures. Proverbs 14, 4. Where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. If nothing's happening, you're not going to have the clean to stall. But if there's activity, you're going to have to clean that stall. See, that's what's happening. When revival happens, and in this revival, what I heard some of those who witnessed it say, and they used the word chaos, and I, I kicked in on what, what are they saying here? It was kind of like people were encountering the Lord personally. And things were changing. God, obviously, is in the business of changing our lives. Breathing new life in you and me and in his church. And I want to be a part of it. The word revived means to bring back from the dead. We need to be brought back from the dead. And we need to be revived. We need to obviously have the winds of God's Spirit blow across your heart to be able to, one way, awaken you and me to God's holiness. We just sang about God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy. And to be able to see God for who He really is. Because when we see who He really is, He's going to change your heart. And He's going to change your attitudes. He's going to change your behaviors. He's going to change your direction in life. And he's going to change everything about you and everything about the church. If we're willing, if we're willing to give up our seats. Can we do that at least, right? <laughs> I knew y'all would relate to that. I knew it's personal. Don't want I'd sit here. I've been sitting there for a long time and I don't want anybody mess with me. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And then, you know, heard old dog. I was running this morning. The dog was growling at me. We were kind of like that dog I heard this morning just growl. You know, and, and before long, we're going to run everybody off. Nobody wants to come over here. Nobody could. Ain't no fun happening over here. Nothing's going over there except obviously they're just complaining. Because they like their seats. They're comfortable. When God comes, He's going to make you and me uncomfortable. Trust me. We're going to be uncomfortable. Okay? In that. And the presence of the Lord, the Bible says there's fullness of joy. There's going to be fullness of joy. And He says, obviously, He wants to put on us the, the things that He desires because we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Okay? And I'm not saying to drum it up just to be having enthusiasm. But I'm saying today, let God have all of you. Don't hold back. Don't, don't allow the things and the facets of life to somehow come in and bind you and just, just come in and, and surround you and wrap its cord around you to keep you from being all that God wants you to be. Jesus came to set the captive free. And he wants you and I free. But when you know, do you have a body here? You got a place here. Okay. But yes, we show up, we come, and we've got teaching. Don's doing teaching on Wednesday night. I encourage you to come.
at 637. Uh, Nancy just gave a special invitation for a couple weeks. Come, come on, come on, come on. If we're not obviously growing, we're dying, right? See, there is no stagnation in the Christian life. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards, right? I know that for a fact, and so do you. We need to be pressing in. The Bible says to press in to God and don't draw back because he's not pleased with that. Press in to the Lord. God's up to good things. I want to be a part of it. I want this church to experience an awakening, our hearts to be awakening to who God is. You see God for who he is going to change your life. You change from glory to glory. And his glory falls. And the meaning of it, as we heard, means weightiness, the glory of God. The weightiness, the heaviness, the tangible uh, nature of God. The reality, there's a living God. He's here right now. And every now and then we get a glimpse of him, don't we? We got saved and we get a glimpse. We got saved and I realized I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. I knew he was the only way, my only way out. I knew that. But it doesn't stop there. There's one encounter and there's one experience, the Lord, after the other as we go through life. God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we listening? God is saying, you, you and I, he, he loves us beyond anything we can imagine. Don't you know is that he's going to have great and wonderful things for you and I? And if he established this place, don't forsake the assembly yourselves together. He said, this is his word. Blessed are those that dwell together in unity because it's where he commands his blessing. Don't you want to be a part of that blessing? I do. I want to be a part of it. He's going to do it. Keep believing. Do not stop believing. The devil said it hadn't happened the way you thought anyway. And then we get off. We start believing the devil and we don't believe what God said. God says, I got a blessing for you. I got some things I want to do in your life that you never thought would ever be done. Making you more like Jesus. The Bible said we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Okay. Now, I know one of the greatest things, I've been blessed materially, thank God, okay? But let me tell you, I want the spiritual blessings because I want to pass my faith down to other people, my family and to other people around me. And I know you do too. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence here. Help us to see ourselves as family. Help us, Lord, as we just say, we can come in this place, be ourselves. We don't have to be somebody else. Whatever's going on, you're hurting or you're rejoicing or maybe you're just sort of like kind of, kind of coasting through life, whatever it may be. Come in, come all. Everyone come in this place. Be a part of what God's doing in the earth today. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You brought us into your family. We're children of the Most High God. Children of the King. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That's really powerful, Lord. Thank you. We believe it. Help us to walk in it. Bless this congregation. I'm asking today, along with everybody here, is that we would experience the outpouring of your spirit in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Do whatever you want. I'm not in control. Don't want to be in control. Don't want to try to in one way contain you. You do whatever you want. I don't care. And this church doesn't care. Our hearts and our arms coming to the altar, the Father's arms 
are open wide. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen.